Hello and welcome to A History of Hannibal, episode 68, Matarus. Okay, this time I promise you we will get to the Battle of the Matarus. So let's begin right where we left off. Hasdrubal has wasted a lot of time trying to take Placentia, an ultimately unsuccessful effort. This has allowed the initiative in the Italian theatre to go to the Romans, and to the Roman consul Nero, who is commanding the armies in the south of the country. Nero had the bold idea of sneaking away from Hannibal, whom he had been chasing around for the last few weeks. He would then, with a group of his best men, go north and join his colleague Livius, and together they would defeat Hasdrubal. At least, that was the plan. Meanwhile, in Rome, everyone was having a panic attack and was trying to work out if their consul had gone mad, leaving his own army undefended, if that sentence made any sense. Nero had just set off north when we left things, and not even his troops knew their destination. When they had travelled, what he felt was a reasonable distance from the enemy, he finally let the troops in on the plan. Now, anyone who knows me, has met me, spoken with me, chatted with me online, in fact, anyone who listens to this podcast will know that I would not last five seconds in any army. But I expect this would have been a good one to be in, an exciting one. The army was met with an outpouring of support as they marched north. The people of Italy would be with them on that battlefield in spirit, and their supplies would be there too. Anything that was needed by the army of Nero was handed over willingly. At least, that's what we are told. My inner cynic wonders whether this is just covering up forced acquisitions, but that is neither here nor there. Nero sent words to Livius of just what he was doing, which makes sense. If Livius didn't know he was about to be joined by 7,000 Romans, this plan could be just as dangerous to the Romans as Nero had hoped it would be for Hasdrubal. So, Nero then differed to Livius about how to handle the arrival. Should it be a big, fancy affair marching in during the day, or should they sneak in? Livius thought sneaking in would be better, and thought it best that Hasdrubal did not suspect that he was facing both consuls rather than one. They would not enlarge the camp. That would give the game away. Instead, Nero's soldiers would share with Livius's. The legionaries would share with the legionaries, the centurions with the centurions, so basically each would share with his own rank. This had its own benefits, as if Livius had wanted to enlarge the camp, they would have needed supplies. Nero had marched light, and when I say light, I mean light. They only had their weapons, nothing else. They had been forced to acquire food on the road as they marched. Finally, Nero's force arrived to meet Livius's near the town of Senna. Though, Nero hid behind a nearby hill until night, so that Hasdrubal would not spot him, as Hasdrubal was camped less than a third of a mile away from Livius. As Livius's soldiers cheered the new arrivals and welcomed them into the camp, the serious business of planning just what to do got underway. A council of war was held, and the majority view was that the obvious thing to do would be to let Nero's men rest. They were exhausted from their march north, and it didn't make any sense for Nero to be involved in the assault before he got to understand the enemy. They should wait a few days, and then think of what to do. 
the man most fiercely against this plan was, well, Nero. Nero urged the men to seize the initiative while they had the chance. He had not raced across the country, making sure that the Carthaginians had no idea of what was happening, to do nothing for a few days. Every day presented the possibility that Hannibal would discover that he had left his army in the south, which was subsequently heavily undermanned, and that Hasdrubal would discover he was facing both consuls rather than one, and so would avoid battle. If they hesitated, Nero's march would become just a reckless adventure, a footnote in history. The only option they had was to attack, and to attack now. Nero's impassioned speech was enough to carry the day, and the Romans prepared for the attack. The army moved out to meet Hasdrubal, who was already on the field. Now, battle did not begin immediately, as Hasdrubal began to work out just what was going on. The enemy force he was facing seemed slightly larger than usual. There were some shields he didn't recognise, and some horses which looked a bit tired. Now, Hasdrubal was quite a defensive general, so, a bit spooked by events, he would not let battle happen until he knew just what was happening with the Roman army. Hasdrubal sent out scouts to investigate matters further, and they reported that the camp had not been enlarged. Perhaps a less cautious character would have been fine with this and moved on, but this was not good enough for Hasdrubal. Hasdrubal had spent years fighting the Romans, and had grown accustomed to their practices, such as that a camp would blow one trumpet were one commander in present, and two if two commanders were there. That morning, two trumpets had been blown from Livius's camp, and Hasdrubal realised that Nero must be there. But if Nero was there, what had happened to Hannibal? Hasdrubal realised that his letter to Nero could have been intercepted by Nero, and that Nero would have thus advanced north, but why had Hannibal not followed? He must have been unable to march north, and so must be in a terrible position, or dead. It never crossed Hasdrubal's mind that Hannibal had been tricked by the Roman consul. Believing that something terrible had happened to Hannibal, Hasdrubal pulled back and began to retreat. That night, the campfires were extinguished at first watch. The army silently packed up and began to move back. What was needed was organisation, order and calmness, three traits which this particular march did not possess. It was dark and everyone was tired. This led to the guides not being properly watched by the Carthaginians. They managed to escape and this meant that the Carthaginian marching column was not familiar with the lie of the land and soon went off the track. Hasdrubal thought that the best thing to do would be to use the river Metaurus for guidance, but it was meandering about, and they kept almost walking into it. Their progress was severely slowed, not helped by the fact that the men were exhausted and kept just lying down wherever they were to get a bit of sleep. The result of all this was that the Carthaginians lost any advantage they had gained in sneaking off. The Romans quickly realised what they were doing, caught up and overtook them. Nero and the praetor Licinius harried Hasdrubal with their cavalry until he was forced to abandon his attempted escape. He thought he would be able to lay out and fortify his camp, but then Livius arrived with the heavy infantry. 
the Romans had lined up with Nero commanding the right wing, Livius the left, and Licinius the centre. Hasdrubal set out his elephants in the centre with the Ligurian troops behind them. On his left were the Gallic troops, while he commanded his Spanish veterans on the right. It's been a while since we've had a big battle, so believe me when I say I'm so excited to say these words. Battle was imminent. The two armies faced each other and charged. The two lines of heavy infantry smacked into each other, with the elephants and cavalry embroiled in the mix. The hardest fighting was on the Roman left and the Carthaginian right, Livius and Hasdrubal directly facing each other, with the centre getting involved too. The Roman troops on that wing of the fight faced the battle-hardened Spaniards and the tough Ligurians, and it was a hard slog. While on the other side of the battlefield, Nero was having a comparatively easy time of it. Many of the Gauls had fled the previous night, and those that remained were exhausted. The battle was not as hard over here, and Nero did not require all of his troops. Therefore, he sent a few cohorts around the back of the Roman line to the far left wing. They marched around, and before the Carthaginians, or Livius's troops for that matter, realised what was going on, the Carthaginians were suddenly surrounded with the Romans attacking from the rear. It was slaughter. The elephants began to rampage, and the elephant riders were forced to kill their own creatures. It became apparent that the battle was lost. There was no recovering from this travesty. Hasdrubal tried desperately not to give up, and stayed motivating his men, but it was too late. Hasdrubal decided that he would go down with his ship. Whether that was noble or foolish is for you to decide. He steadied his horse and galloped into a Roman cohort and onto the pages of history. This was a crucial battle in the war, along with Trasimene, Canae, and Zama. Indeed, the esteemed Edward Creasy included it in his 1851 classic, The Fifteen Decisive Battles of the World. While there are disagreements over the size of the battle and the numbers killed, the Carthaginian army was obliterated. One of my favourite quotations by Dr. Stephen Todd, a world-leading expert on the Greek speechwriter Lysias, I'm sure he hasn't remembered the line as he comes out with ten of these a day, but it has really stuck with me. I was in a research seminar talking about numbers of slaves in the Roman Empire, when Todd almost blurts out the line, aren't all numbers rhetorical? Just think about that for a moment. Aren't all numbers rhetorical? What a brilliant point. In the ancient world, numbers are practically meaningless. No one was writing from a truly neutral perspective, and every number included by any source was there to prove a point. So there is no way to know how many people died at Metaurus, and it doesn't really matter that we can't trust our sources. What matters is the impression these sources are trying to give. And when Livy states that 8,000 Romans died in comparison to 57,000 Carthaginians, the point that the Carthaginians were well and truly beaten is hard to miss. Polybius gives a much more reasonable figure of 2,000 Roman losses to 10,000 Carthaginians, and I think it's interesting that the rough proportion of almost 5 to 1 in deaths 
it's interesting to be there in both accounts. We'll cover the details of what followed the battle in our next episode, but I want to end with one anecdote. Nero hurried back down to his camp in the south of Italy, where he found Hannibal still settled. Nero had brought with him a present, and threw the decapitated head of Hasdrubal into the camp. Looking at what was left of his brother, Hannibal exclaimed, Now, at last, I see the destiny of Carthage Plain. I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening.